Welcome to the Virtual CPA Success Show, where we're 100% focused on helping service-based businesses achieve success. Are you a business owner interested in learning how to scale your business? Has your business reached over $1 million in annual revenue? Then this podcast is for you. Welcome to episode two of the Virtual CPA Success Show. I'm your host, Jamie Na, and I'm the Director of Accounting here at Summit CPA. In last episode, we discussed the beginning of Summit CPA with Jody Grundon and Adam Hale, the two partners. Today, we're going to dig in a little bit more on our experience with creative agencies. I'm going to start with Adam to just kind of talk about what creative agencies means for Summit CPA. Yeah, thanks, Jamie. For us, uh, creative agencies, it's kind of a wide breath, but it's uh, design and dev agencies primarily. Um, sometimes we'll get folks that are design only or dev only. And then we're also working with a lot of folks in the SEO PPC world. So those are the, the main two. And then as a result of that, we've also been uh, starting to work with more clients that have products. So, um, you know, the dream is that annuitized business. So a lot of our design and dev shops um, have an idea and are taking it to market. So we do have some exposure with that. And some people on the web have come to us just with product only. So those are the three main areas, design dev, SEO PPC, and then some product based work. Yeah, and I'd say that probably amounts to about, what, 70% of all of our clients that we uh, that work with on a regular basis. Don't know the exact count, but I think we're probably 100, 105, somewhere in their clients right now uh, that work with all throughout the United States. And I'd say the majority of them, for sure, have been in this creative agency space. And I would say over the last probably five years or so, I'd say probably 90%, maybe 95% of our new clients have been in this space. So that's been a very heavy concentration for us, especially over the last... Uh, uh, probably since 2011 to be in this space and to really understand the vernacular, understand, you know, what, you know, the highs and lows, you know, what makes the creative agency tick. And I think we've, we've got that pretty well under hand now. Yeah, I think we talked about it last time, but um, our very first client actually was an email to you, Jody, right? Because um, yeah. I remember going into your office and and looking at our website thinking, are they like wanting to fix our website, which you know, it was garbage at the time. So we totally thought that was legit, but it sounded like it was more for, for VCFO services. And, but yeah, it was a pretty cool conversation whenever we were able to sit down with them and kind of talk through that stuff. Yeah. The funny thing about that one was that it came through my junk mail. And of course I never read junk mail at that point. And so it was one of those things that came through the junk mail, never looked at it. Why, for whatever reason, just completely coincidental decided to look in at that time. And that's when we, we found that email and like Adam was saying, it looked like it was a solicitation email. I couldn't really tell the difference. You know, when I talked to Adam about it, he's like, hey, let's just give him a call. And so we did. And uh, it was a kind of a fun conversation. You know, it was a company out of Rhode Island called Lullabot. They're a design and dev shop, uh, 60 people, you know, pretty, pretty decent sized uh, firm. And they wanted to know if we were interested in being their CFO. And prior to that, we really didn't have a CFO um, engagement that we couldn't actually go and talk to, you know, go and visit on a regular basis. A lot of times they could actually stop by the office or we could stop by their office. In this case, we couldn't do either. And so it was kind of a, a cool thing. Not only was our first virtual, true virtual client, but it was in the creative agency space. And, you know, from there, just pretty much went on. They, we, they you know, they, they loved the idea. They loved our website. That was the kind of funny thing. So I was cracking on our website. The reason they came to us because they loved our website. <laughs> it wasn't uh, a traditional accounting firm. It wasn't the stuffy 
uh, thing that you see a lot of times in websites, uh, especially for like legal or accounting, you know, professional website. It was more of a laid back type of approach. And they really like that idea. And, um, you know, that's kind of become, you know, that's basically become our, you know, our personality as a firm, you know, kind of laid back, doing things a little differently. And it all stemmed from that very first, you know, call in 2000, it was 2011 from a creative agency. And from there, it's been a, a pretty wild ride ever since. Yeah, the uh, website's like us. The content's great. The inside, we're just not packaged real well. <laughs> so... So what? Um, so after working with Lullabot, was it was it love at first sight with creative agency agencies, or was it kind of a took a while for us to figure out why that was the industry we liked, or what what made us stick with uh, creative agencies after all this time? Yeah, for me it was it was right away. Um, I have a background in marketing, so marketing's always been something that I've really enjoyed a lot, and uh, it's just something that I've always started from day one. Branding's a huge part of what we do, you know, everything because we don't sell. When, when you think about it, we don't sell a tangible product; we sell service. So anything that we deliver has to appear and be something very professional looking, something that you could, you know, look at it, you know, everybody, you know, 10 people could look at it and say, oh, that's a Summit CPA product, you know, that type of thing. Although it's truly not a product, it's a service. And so when we met with um, the folks at Lullabot, you know, they had the same demeanor that we have, you know, everything just really clicked. And it, it was pretty much, this was like, you know, I thought, wow, if we can get a lot of these, you know, you know, dreaming back then, if we can get a lot of companies like, like this, this would be great because it'd be really fit into that that culture model, I guess you could say. And it just happened that they started referring like clients to us. You know, it was kind of a cool thing where we picked up a, uh, a company out of Texas uh, called Four Kitchens. You know, it was probably what, two or three months after we had, maybe a little bit longer after we'd worked with Lullabot. And they're like, hey, and it was kind of neat because they referred a competitor, which is kind of weird in the industry. You wouldn't see that with accountants. Accountants wouldn't do that. They wouldn't refer another accountant typically. And it was kind of a neat thing. And so once, once it started picking up where we, we're working with, you know, two, three, four, five of these was like, this is pretty cool. I'd really like to, um, you know, really explode this type of thing. But then it's really tempting, right? Because it's like, well, do we want to really narrow our field or do we want to, you know, do this for everybody? And once we made the decision, hey, let's stick with the narrow niche, you know, of course, we'll pick up anybody in the regard if they're a good fit, but let's focus on that narrow niche. And when we, when we started doing that, it was, like I said, it was, it was great. Yeah, it came pretty natural, too, just because, you know, we focus on our business as business owners. So we're always looking at our metrics and and dialing in our forecast and being a service based business, um, even though we don't uh, necessarily bill by the hour or do anything like that. It doesn't really matter if you're time and billing, you know, in, in terms of that scenario or you do fixed fee or value based like we do. It was just real natural. So it was a really good fit culture wise. It was, a, you know, we learned a lot from a technology standpoint. So we were able to do some back and forth sharing there. And then in terms of the metrics and growing the business and everything, it was very similar to our business. So it was, it was again, it was just real natural. So it's been great. Yeah, it is. A, it's definitely a very close industry. So I think that that definitely helped. Can you expand on that a little bit, Jody, and how that helped and how it was to find conferences and how we um, really grew from there? Yeah, when I, um, you know, we, we were deciding at that point, and back in 2011, we, uh, Lullabot was a distributed company. And I, at that time, we'd never even heard of a distributed company because there weren't that many. There were probably 25, 30 in the nation, you know, so that's, it was a very small uh, group of people and or companies. And we thought, you know, hey, this would be kind of cool if we could do something similar to that. And so when we decided to um, really take the plunge, you know, we attended a few conferences. One was out in California called Yonder. And uh, from there, 
it was one of those deals where, you know, all these distributed companies, you know, we had a kickball company, you know, their marketing companies, you know, all, all these really cool group of people hanging out. And it was like, this is pretty neat. And it just happened that one of those uh, folks was actually ran a, uh, you know, basically a, a leadership type conference called the Bureau of Digital. Carl Smith is the gentleman's name, real great guy, real good friend. And um, he asked at that point, we, of course, we didn't know each other. He asked at that point, you know, hey, would you be interested in doing, you know, this in front of a, a group of leaders, you know, leaders in this industry? And I'm like, well, yeah, this would be great. He's like, have you had any marketing experience? I'm like, yeah, sure. I definitely speak in front of people. That's not a, not a big deal. And he's like, well, hey, would you be interested in doing this in a couple of weeks? And, and it just kind of kicked off of there. We started meeting with him uh, going through that. And and then, uh, you know, it just, you know, he asked if we could do additional ones. And, and it really kind of you know sparked that thought leadership where we started becoming the thought leader in this industry. And uh, the, the cool thing about it was it started from just a real one company back in 2011 to where we started picking up, you know, two to three to four to five companies a month, helping them out with strategic planning and KPIs and, you know, all that kind of good stuff that really helped the business grow. And so it was a, a really cool thing. And then and the nice thing about it is then we've had other companies that approach us uh, asking for different things like uh, soda and, and uh, Drupal and, you know, and others to talk in front of their, you know, their group of people to help them become successful, I guess, or help them grow, help them create a vision. And it's been a pretty cool thing from, from there. Great. So Adam, can you describe our ideal fit for a, for a client? So, you know, anything from size to location and anything that really describes our ideal client outside of um, obviously being inside a creative agency? Yeah, I mean, in terms of the geographic location, I mean, we're coast to coast. I mean, we typically work with uh, agencies that are in the United States or at least have a um, an office in the United States. So we have others that obviously have contracted relationships or maybe co-located outside of the United States. Um, in terms of the size, we actually geared our packages towards different size levels because we know that smaller agencies need different things than larger agencies. So on our website, we have transactional services, which might be the under 10 shops that are just looking for some compliance help. It's really tax driven and structure driven, just wanting to make sure they're doing the right things. And we, we stay on top of things like R&D credits and, and really looking ahead on that. Then the next step up is really those agencies from about 10 to 20 people where you haven't maybe formalized a, a big leadership team yet, but you're starting to get the COO. Um, you know, the owner's not involved in every single thing day to day. So that's kind of our controllership level service. And then our VCFO service is uh, typically about 20 people or more in terms of agency size, because again, there you've at that point, you've probably created a small leadership team. And so we join that team as, as the financial person and we kind of take the reins as far as that's concerned. So from a people size, and of course, that really depends on, you know, there's also other factors that are included in there. So we do have some smaller agencies that might be on the VCFO side, but typically that's where they fall. From a revenue standpoint, we um, we start talking to folks right around a million dollars in revenue and annual revenue all the way up to 50 million. But I'd say our cores from anywhere from five to 20 is where the most the majority of our agencies that we work with land. But we do work with tax only as well. So for some of those startup agencies, our tax director is really great since he knows the space and the industry and the R&D stuff. Um, we will do tax only for some folks uh, just to kind of get them started. And, go. and a recent question was asked, well, how many clients do you have that typically have some accounting person on staff that helps out? And uh, we typically find about 30% of our clients, we actually do the back office stuff where we're 
we're actually that accounting team. And then the, the other 70% typically have somebody on staff. And so that's where we see the five to, you know, 50 million that Adam's mentioning there. Um, we typically will sit alongside an existing, you know, team of accountants or accountants or even a CFO in a lot of cases where we'll help a CFO uh, migrate through the landmines and really kind of help them create vision because we can bring a lot of vision outside because we've got, you know, that a lot of times the CFO will only know how their company is doing. And we can bring the color of, you know, hey, here's how the industry is doing. Here's what's working. Here's what's not working. And a lot of times you can incorporate those ideas into their uh, business model. So, you know, it, it's kind of a unique thing where we can do as little like Adam was saying from the tax return uh, to, you know, as much as, you know, everything, you know, tax return, accounting and CFO work. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Yeah, because we do do back office work for, you know, like you said, about a third of our clients. But the the CFO piece is another interesting one. So whenever we see clients getting up closer to that 20 million or 20 to 50 million range, a lot of times they will have a CFO on staff or some of the agencies that have multiple partners, maybe the partners in the CFO wearing the CFO hat. So we kind of come in in that FP&A role, like financial planning and analysis, where our focus is really on forecasting and just, you know, providing some clarity around the numbers and the reporting and everything. So we kind of are the the plus one on the team to help that roll out. Because oftentimes, whenever you get that big, the CFO's role kind of gravitates more operational stuff. So they're working more with contracts and doing more day-to-day stuff. So they don't really have time to oversee the day-to-day financials and the and the forecasting and such. So we, we do all that and then queue it up for them. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely what makes Summit unique, especially from other uh, CPA firms I've talked to. They're they're kind of backwards from us. They really want the accounting. They really want the back office, and they'll throw in the CFO or controller stuff. Where we're kind of the opposite. We really want the controller and CFO and forward looking stuff. And if they want us to do the accounting, we do have those skills in house. So I think that definitely is unique in the accounting industry. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. The yeah. other piece, though, is that. With, I think what makes us unique too is is everything's a two-person team minimum. So whether or not we're doing tax or whatever, so we bring the VCFO whose focus is more on strategy and, and kind of staying on top of the plan, and then also a senior accountant, which is kind of equivalent to a controller. So to Jody's point, even if we're not doing the back office, the controller is kind of the go-to person for the accounting person in-house. So they're kind of watching over things, helping close the books, making sure things are done accurate and timely and then rolling that up to the VCFO. And then the VCFO is then, um, you know, focusing on clarifying direction through forecasting and metrics and those kind of things. So that two-person team is also unique because a lot of times it's a solo person. We do that for a lot of reasons. One, just because those mindsets are totally different is the primary, but it also offers up some good redundancy at that, at the service level as well, which is super cool. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. A lot of times companies will come to us with that bookkeeper in-house and they'll say, is this going to be awkward? And we're going to say, actually, within a couple of months, your bookkeeper is going to love us because they're going to have another accountant to bounce ideas off of and talk through. So it's it's actually a really good uh, situation to be in. And it's one of the ones we really like working through. So when, when companies do come to us, Jody, what, how should their finances be? Should they be, um, can they be a mess? Where, what, what range of um, companies Perfect. do we see coming to us on the um, when it comes to their finances and where they're at? Yeah, that depends who you're talking to, our staff or us. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. our, our team would love it to be perfect coming in. But of course, that's very rarely the case. Uh, a lot of times, you know, they really have no idea how good or bad their, their, their books are when they, when they come to us. So, you know, a, a typical question we'd ask during the um, you know, prospecting call, we'd ask, you know, how, you know, are your books are in good shape. And they're like, oh, yeah, our books are in great shape, blah, blah, blah. And then we get into it and find out that they're a disaster. And so... 
it, it, the, it ranges pretty big time and it really depends on the quality level of the person that's actually working on it to where maybe they do come in they're great um, where other times they, they don't so it really makes us no difference because we actually go through an onboarding uh, phase where we're actually cleaning up the books bringing the year-to-date numbers to where they need to be and really kind of fixing things rearranging the chart of accounts so it's industry norm type of thing so that we can compare from one company to the next so we're doing a lot of the restructuring behind the scenes that first eight six to eight weeks anyway so as part of it we're tying the tax return out and just making sure that everything is very clean and the reason being is because if it's garbage when we're presenting you know strategy our strategy is going to be garbage. So it's that garbage in, garbage out concept that we, we talk about a lot. So we need to make sure that they're clean and that our CFOs are all on the same page and understanding exactly what's good and what's bad with them. Yeah, the big thing is, is um, as Jody mentioned, tying back the tax returns key. I mean, we've gotten a couple where it's like, it's not the same company. <laughs> You're just like, what the hell? But for the most part, we're going to be doing some tweaking anyway to get that chart of accounts in alignment with the industry. Revenue rec is usually probably the biggest thing that we need to make sure we understand, you know, how the client does it, how we recommend to do it, if there's any kind of changes that need to be da- done, if we need to go restate stuff so we can kind of tell, you know, what's going on. Because those metrics are really relying upon good revenue recognition. So if it's cash basis, we got to figure that out. Uh, we don't want to yank that view away from somebody if they're used to seeing it that way. So we'll kind of keep it and run it parallel for a little while until we can kind of bridge the gap of how we really should be kind of looking at some of this stuff. But, you know, so we're we're super sensitive to that as well. Yeah, and you, you mentioned the chart of accounts. I think that's also important just to bring in there is that um, we do compare clients to each other. Um, not We don't say, okay, you're compared to this client, but we do put you in a database and say, you know, what we're used to seeing is a gross profit of 50%. And if the chart of accounts isn't correct, that's where it really can get skewed. So we want to make sure we're comparing apples to apples and we aren't telling one company, your gross profit's amazing because you don't have any payroll costs in there. Well, everybody else has um, all their payroll costs inside of, or their admin payroll costs outside of there, but their production employees within there. So we do want to make sure we get those chart of accounts correct so we can compare companies across the board. For sure. So I would like to kind of hear some stories. So we've been working with um, creative agencies for a while. I'd love to hear some success stories about companies that have come in and some uh, ideas of what we've felt has been successes with these companies. So I'll start with you, Jody. Yeah, I'd say the uh, the biggest one um, is just simply that, you know, we, we give them a vision. So before they're kind of just going along and, and whatever happens, happens, and they really don't know why or they don't know really what to expect going forward. So the biggest thing is giving them a clear vision of what, what they what they should expect going forward so they can kind of test the waters a little bit and so they kind of plan a little bit and in doing so we, we tell everybody you know you need x amount of dollars in, in the bank you know and that's one thing that they can strive for and the, the kind of the funny thing about it is and and, and adam uh, made this really kind of funny point at one of the conferences we were at is that you know in order to achieve or to build cash you gotta have profit and, you know, profit, it was you're talking amongst a lot of creative, creative agencies was a bad word in a lot of cases. It was like, well, we don't, we want profit. We want to, you know, give our, all the money to our employees, blah, 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 which is great. But in order to do that, you have to have profit. And profit was the other thing. So we were teaching them, hey, here's the profit that you need to have in order to build this cash to the amount of cash that you need. And I, I would say just from the very, very first client on, you know, they, they come to us and they'd have a lot of money in their line of credit. And, you know, we would give them the vision, you know, hey, here within two years, we can get that down to we have nothing on your line of credit and you're building a cash reserve of a million dollars. And, you know, maybe they're a five million dollar company and we're kind of going along and they're like, this would be great. And we give them that vision. It's kind of funny. Once they have that vision, they they, they tend to it. And so 
you know, that that's kind of, a, I think, a, a problem it without singling out even one client. I would say that's a pretty much a trend for, gosh, over half our clients at least is just simply giving that that vision to do it. One particular case is kind of an offset one is that I had a company when I was at a conference, you know, give me a call. At that time, I was actually doing virtual CFO stuff. This was probably back oh, about six years ago, five, six years ago. And the company, um, brand new company, you know, called, call, we, we, we engaged, we've been with them for, they've been for this for maybe three months. And uh, the owner, while oh, I was at a conference, it was probably 10 o'clock at night, just started lighting up my phone. It was like, and I couldn't answer it because I was in with a bunch of other people. First of all, I didn't realize that you know, I had my phone on, you know, uh, silent. So I didn't realize he was actually calling. And then after about, oh, heck, it was probably 10 phone calls from probably 10 o'clock to two in the morning. You know, he's lighting my phone up. And I finally uh, reached back with him the next morning. I go, hey, what's going on? I just saw you called me, you know, 10 times. Everything OK? And he's like, hey, I've got this big deal going by, you know, tomorrow. And. I've got to put this contract in place, and I'm, so we're talking through the contract. And he goes, "I think it's, I think it's about a four hundred thousand dollar contract," and we're talking through it. And he's like, "But I don't really know. I don't want to. I don't want to, you know, limit myself on it. What do you think?" And I go, oh, "Well, the probably the easiest thing is just simply going back and asking them what what are they budgeting for this." And he's like, "Well, they won't tell me that." And I go, "Well, how do you know that? Just ask them." He's like, okay. He's kind of like a sigh, like, okay. And so he, he went back and the next day, all of a sudden, my phone's lighting up again. I'm thinking, oh no, what I do? He just lost his contract. You know, I'm thinking, you think the worst, right? <laughs> and it's like, it's like, oh, she should I even answer the phone. I'm like, okay. So I answered the phone. He's like, he goes, oh dude, he goes, you were awesome. He goes, you definitely earned your money. I go, why do you say that? And he goes, well, I did just that. I went back and asked him how much, how much you got budgeted for the contract. And he told me it was $1.2 million. He's like, oh my gosh, if I would have came back with 400000 I might not even got the contract for one. But then it gave us so much leeway. We could do so much more things because we had no idea that they were planning on spending it. And our profit margin just got a little bit bigger. And he goes, and it's all because I just asked that simple question. And it's kind of funny because those type of questions, you know, they we don't think twice about it because we hear about it all the time from all of our clients. It's just kind of a natural thing. But it was a cool thing. I could just bring that up in casual conversation. And, and it made this company an extra what, $800,000 uh, that they didn't have the time before. Yeah, I think that's the big thing is that it's just the small stuff. So, I mean, it's not like there's this huge silver bullet, and especially with a lot of design and dev shops. I mean, their cash ebbs and flows, their sales do. Um, the biggest thing that I noticed probably working with clients more closely and what I really enjoy is like a long time ago, whenever you just meet with a client once a year or a couple times a year, you knew the client, you understood their business a little bit, but not really good. And you knew their information was kind of okay. Well, whenever the client had a question for you, like what Jody asked, you weren't prepared to give them a good answer. You're like, well, it depends. I mean, if it's this, it's this, if it's this, it's that. And then you would, and then you'd say, well, I'd have to dig in. And then maybe you have to do some research for a couple of weeks, you know, those kind of things. Because we work with the clients on like a daily and a weekly basis, um, we have that information ready. So not maybe just with advice like that, but anything. It's like, hey, I'm thinking about hiring three people. Hey, my, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter. Like the clarifying direction is kind of our main focus. And just having us on call whenever you need us for those little small one-off things that happen, I think that's the, the thing is, I mean, business is a big ship and you can't turn that thing really fast. I mean, it's a lot of like, small moves and to get to the right place. And that's what we help with. I mean, we design where you want to go. We show you the best path to get there. And then when life happens and we get off track a little bit, that's how we use the forecast just to kind of dial ourselves back in. We have to reroute whatever. 
Um, and being able to work with clients on a daily and weekly basis gives us the ability to do that. So um, I think it, peace of mind is what you would probably hear from most of our clients. Oh, for sure. And, and I would say the cool thing about that is, is no matter how junior or senior that CFO is, is that we have so many on, on the team is that they can just you know, pounce over and say, Hey, Audrey, how's, you know, how, how did, how did your clients handle this? And they can get back to them right away and say, Hey, Audrey's got this great idea. He, this worked for her and her clients. And so it's kind of cool because we can bounce different ideas off of different people uh, throughout our team, no matter if they've been with us for, you know, six months or, you know, 10 years, it really makes no difference. We, we leverage each other so well that it really brings a, a high, not, high quality service to the clients. Yeah, we're super collaborative on the back end. I mean, it's it's definitely like kind of a brain trust in terms of, uh, you know, information sharing. And so we're constantly on the back end going back with different experiences and making sure the whole team knows that way we can leverage each other or each other's contacts if needed. So that's a great point, too. So it, instead of getting a person as great as Jody is. You know, he doesn't have all the Thank experiences. You. I know you won't hear me say that. We're going to edit that. We're going to edit that out. That will make it. the real. It's, hold on. As great as he thinks he is, um, <laughs> it's not, uh, you know, being able to lean on Jamie or Jake or Audrey or Tom or whomever on our team um, is a huge, huge benefit. So, um and then just statistically overall, like like Jody said, I think the proof is, is that a lot of our clients have had the ability to build their cash reserves, um, stop using the line of credit, use their own cash, build their tax reserve, because it's about being deliberate. Exactly what he said. You know, there's no science behind it. It's just it's like gravity. You show somebody where they need to be and how they can get there. They make all the right decisions and and kind of it's just the little things in the back of your mind to to move you along that add up to that that big stage and and for us it's cash because that's what's king. So. And I think to there too I think that the key is is you know being in one industry so much that's that's the value of the conferences like we go to these conferences and we go to these events and I'm there to learn as much as I am to educate I'm there to like sit there at the bar at ten o'clock at night and talk to someone about what they're doing and they might tell me an idea I'm like that's a great idea and I can bring it back to the CFO team and say hey you know there's companies out that are doing XYZ and then we can pass that on and so that's one of the value of us being so in in touch with this industry is we get that advice from not just our clients, which Jody said is, you know, somewhere between 60 and 70 digital um, creative clients, but um, we get it from these uh, events as well, where there's people there that we've talked to probably five times that aren't our clients that we can use as a knowledge base as well. So I think that's uh, one of the advantages of this um, industry. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. I mean, that's the thing is like these, these folks, I mean, whenever we're able to leverage um, the other experiences and just learning, I mean, we're business advisors. So I was actually just talking to one of our CFOs about that the other day. So even though, you know, nobody puts baby in the corner, like we, we do finance, but we have a finance lens, right? Over the entire side of the business. So we want to hear about what's going on in marketing. We want to hear what's going on in operations um, because that helps us craft the plan. And that way, whenever you come up with an idea and we need to flush it out, we can go, wait a minute, isn't that contrary to what we were saying over here and what we're trying to do. So we need that holistic view. Again, we look through a finance lens, but we need to see the whole picture. And I think that's uh, that's an important point as well. It's like, that's why we want to join the leadership team. So it's not like you have to carve us out whenever the conversation starts getting, um, you know, over into a certain area of the business. We need to hear that stuff. 
Yeah, it's, it's, I was, I'd make this joke to Adam all the time. A lot of times these digital marketing or creative agencies we're working with are in the marketing space, but it's amazing how many times I have to consult on marketing and have conversations about marketing, even though I'm the accountant. So it's just, um, it's amazing the uh, amount of knowledge we get from those conferences we go to and the amount of clients we have and things we can talk about outside of just finance through a finance lens. So we can always have that. Well, from a finance, I, from a finance point of view, this is what you should think about when it comes to marketing. So it's definitely, um, wide wide mm -hmm. range of oh, things we sure. talk about. So I think that is it for time. I want to thank uh, Jody and Adam for joining us. Um, and then we will be back in another two weeks to talk more about the actual virtual CFO role and what that means. So uh, thanks again, Jody and Adam. Enjoy this episode? Visit our website at summitcpa.net to get more tips and strategies for achieving virtual CPA success. We're here to be a resource in this ever-changing industry.